Hi, I'm Susan Barton from Shad Aquarium. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. After 20 years, still Chicago's only deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Saturday morning on 1590 WCGO. Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will... Good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. They're sometimes called the odd couple. If only because the word aberrant doesn't fit in the logo. Here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Good planets are Type, 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 type. Search, 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 type, 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 search, search. Our, our, bail, our, bail, 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 bail. Bail? Oh, yeah, as in water bail. Bail, bail. Um, huh, uh, let's see, 5.2 inches of rain, according to the app, which I've finally gotten to work on my Yay. on my smartphone. Uh, the, uh, what do they call this thing? The Pocket Rain Gauge app. And last night, I was up frightfully late. Frightfully late, or early, depending or early, how you look at it. and uh, putting the show together. And at that time, I checked the app, and we you know, on my block in Logan Square, we had five point two inches of rain. Uh, what did you have? I think you beat that, didn't you? Uh, the actual gauges this morning, one was flowing over at over five inches, and the other said six point one. That's the actual gauges. Now the app which clears itself out said four point one. I know, and that's the thing I don't like about this app. It gives you the last twenty four hours of rain. Mm-hmm. And then it clears it. So now it's saying eight to eight a eight AM to eight AM, but it's not cumulative over a couple of days. I guess you gotta have a maybe you have some, to pay for that some parameter or something. But at uh midnight it was four point three and at 1 a.m., it was 5.2. So that's a lot of rain, man. Yep. That's a lot of range. Brandon, you had some uh, rain, too, didn't you? Yes, a lot, a lot of rain. <laughs> now, you don't have, do you have a basement that you got to take care of? No, no, I do not have a basement. Uh, my grandmother's sub pump failed, though. Uh-oh. And she does have a basement. I don't have a sub pump. So I called the guy. I had to get on the phone, call the guy, because there was about four inches of water in my basement as of about four o'clock yesterday afternoon, uh, and I'm slogging through my basement in my waders, and, you know, Mike Jackson would have been very comfortable there in my basement. In He'd fact, probably been casting. I caught a couple of uh, crappie there in, in the basement uh, last night, and uh, so we get the guy with the rotter. And Carl's his name. And Carl, this is not the first time Carl's been to my house. And if Ron Cowgill is listening, he knows all about this. So this is the drill. Uh, and by the way, hi to the folks on the Facebook Live as we talk about. Good morning. Good morning. Talk about uh, my experiences with water in my basement yesterday. So the rotter guy comes and he's got 140 feet 
where the rotting that he sends out the pipe and into the street. And then the water starts to drain at one end. I went, oh, that's good. And then the water starts to drain in the center where it all comes bubbling up. And that's how my basement gets filled. And, you know, and it's bad enough. I got to drip it in from the sides, too, like you do. You have that seepage mm-hmm. in your, we ought to call it seal. I guess. Give him a ding. All right. Um, but uh, I managed to get the basement drain. The floor is still wet. I've got fans all over the place trying to blow it dry. The guy's like, well, you're going to put bleach on all that, right? And I'm thinking, um, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll put bleach on that someday. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me like that, Brandon. Be careful flushing your toilets when it gets that bad. Well, you, yeah. When when the drains are that full, yeah, just don't run any water. It'll shoot back up through your toilet. Oh, yeah, of course yeah. it will. Yeah. that Yeah. I, we weren't doing it at that time. Uh, but actually, I didn't think about that at the time. Yeah, it, but but at least Don't take we, a shower, run a dishwasher. None of, the, none the of that stuff. None of that. No, we were we were just kind of working there. So and, and then we got that email from Rick DeMaio this morning that says Hurricane Ophelia is racing towards the U.K. right now as a Category 3. Yeah. What's there's that a, There's a hurricane that comes out of Africa, and instead of going across the Atlantic like they usually do, it just veered straight north. It's going straight north, so it's going to hit Ireland. <laughs> A Category 3 hurricane. Uh, what's wrong with this world? And yesterday I was I was talking to a woman, communicating with a woman. I was trying to get, seeing if we could get a report from California on the wildfires there. I talked to a, uh, well, I didn't talk in person, but emailed a couple of people. I was not able to get them uh, on the show, but I'm, I'm getting more and more connections. Um, and it could be that we will have somebody next week. I talked to a woman named Andrea Davis-Satina, who is uh, with a radio show called Quarter Acre mm-hmm. Farm. Uh, it, it Her show is, what's actually the name of the show? It's Quarter... Quarter Acre Farm, I think. It's something like yeah, that. Yeah, I close, close That's it. her website, is quarteracrefarmsonoma.com. And, I mean, these fires Sustainable there, Growing Radio Show. That's it. Sustainable dot growing, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So she does. She talks about and I and I said, uh, "Hey, can you report on the stuff there?" And she said, "Well, I've already been evacuated, so <laughs> I'm in San Francisco." Gosh, it's interesting. Go on before the end. I'll tell you a funny story about being stuck on the 405 with fire on both sides. Oh, that sounds good. Stand by for that from Brandon. Hey, welcome to the Mike Novak Show. In just a second, we're going to be talking hoop houses. And native plants in your yard, why your city might not want you to grow them. It's going to be a very interesting conversation. The Green Living Expo returns to McHenry County College on Saturday, November 4th. And this 10th anniversary celebration is going to be pretty special. For starters, there will be two fully decorated and locally owned tiny homes on display, the award-winning traveling exhibit Sustainable Choices, and area college and university solar and super mileage team race cars. Visit the Living Lightly Tent, where innovators share their energy savings inventions with you. Of course, more than 70 green exhibits and vendors of all kinds, including invited artists who will be displaying and selling their sustainable creations. Did I mention the Green Living Expo is free and open to the public? And Peggy and I will be there. McHenry County College, Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Go to mchenry.edu slash green expo or contact the MCC Office of Sustainability at 815-479-7765. 
Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Hi, this is Lisa Albrecht from the Illinois Solar Energy Association, and once again, we are raffling off a Tesla to one lucky winner. This year, it's the 2017 Tesla Model X. That's the sports utility vehicle. The proceeds go to ISEA for our work in advancing clean energy development in Illinois. Each ticket is $100, but you can get four for $300. Only 2,500 tickets will be sold, and you can buy as many as you'd like. The drawing is December 7th, and you don't need to be present to win. Go to IllinoisSolar.org for details. What is this place? You're in uncharted territory. What do you mean? Where are we? I don't know if you've heard this. I don't know what it is. Tell us your name, please. 1590. WCGO Chicago. (laughs) I didn't know we could dance. Yeah, go ahead if you want to. (laughs) Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show uh, with our... Neo big band music. You remember uh, Nicole when this was really popular? It was like the '90s, and they were doing all this. Oh, you don't? Okay, <laughs> sorry, it wasn't my thing. It wasn't your thing at all. Okay, well they were doing this stuff. Big yeah. Dad Voodoo Daddy and Brian yeah, yep. Setzer. Yeah, exactly. Brian Setzer. All those guys. Yep. I've got a, a CD of these, uh, and I and I trot them out every now and then. It's kind of interesting how you have these fads that yeah. uh, come and go. Uh, and, and we've got uh, Peter Nilsson watching live on Facebook from Sweden. Hey, Peter. Give that man a ding. There you go. There we go. Uh, it's good to see uh, see you up there again, Peter. Great. Uh, a good crowd there on uh, Facebook Live this morning. And maybe it's because they're all wondering if we're going to talk about how you survive these uh, catastrophic storms that come rolling <laughs> through Chicago. You know, fi- fires... In in California, storms in Chicago, a hurricane about to hit Ireland. And I actually sent an email to Rick DeMaio and I said, hey, dude, you want to be on the show this morning? You want to do a special report? Just uh, give us a holler and uh, we'll do something. But uh, in the meantime, in the studio with us, we have Nicole Virgil, uh, who's a, uh, a gardener and grower in the suburbs of Chicago, in Elmhurst, Illinois, and (laughs) she's got a story to tell. As a matter of fact, we're going to have her, and then later, around the bottom of the hour, we're going to have another gardener who's got a a similar story to tell, if not exactly the same, but this is the kind of thing we've talked about for years Mm -hmm. on my show, where folks decide they want to grow certain things and... um, the municipality they're in, whether it's the city of Chicago, because I know people in the city of Chicago. In fact, several years ago, this was it was a big issue when when folks in the city of Chicago were trying to grow native plants in their front yards, and the city started going around giving tickets, mm-hmm. six hundred dollars a pop. Wow! And it wasn't just that they got uh, some people who. You know, I got accidentally caught up in this. The people they were ticketing, which was really interesting, were some of the movers and shakers in the environmental world. Uh, 
people I know who who you see all the mm-hmm. time whose names are out there and they were growing natives in their yard and lo and behold they would have six hundred dollar tickets. And it was That's almost amazing. it was almost as if the city was targeting those people. Now, I don't think they were. I think it really was a weird coincidence. But that's not good. No. When you do, and and they seem to have calmed down. I haven't seen one of those stories recently. Although that issue is in the courts right now in Chicago, which brings us to Nicole Virgil, who's here, who lives in Elmhurst, and your story. And by the way, good morning, Nicole, and thank you for coming to the studio. Good morning, Mike. Thank you for having me. Uh, my pleasure. And uh, I think basically we should have you tell the story in your own words about what's been going on, what, since 2015? Is that when it started? Yeah, well, uh, back up to 2013, I decided I would grow some lettuce just because it (laughs) wilts so fast in the back of your refrigerator, right? No big deal. So we started growing some lettuce, and we did that successfully for a couple years with some onions and some carrots, and it was going well. And so Mm -hmm. we... You know, we decided we'd build some more raised beds. You know, those and... are the gateway vegetables. Yeah. That's what they tell you. <laughs> yeah, so uh, my husband and I looked at each other after a couple of years of doing this and thought, you know what, the growing season's kind of short. If we could just lengthen it a little bit in the fall and, and get a little jump in the spring, you know, that might be useful for producing your own food. It's in our backyard, you know. And so we researched it and we thought about cold frames and low tunnels and and hoop houses. And uh, for those who are not initiated, a hoop house is just a temporary structure. Legally, it's analogous to a trampoline, which has sort of a skeletal structure Mm -hmm. and a membrane. It's seasonal. It's temporary. It's not permanently affixed to the ground. So we constructed one. The the key words, though, legally, as you say, because of the materials that it's made of. Right. Something like that. So I've grown to be very careful with my words at this point. <laughs> because... so, anyhow, I didn't mean to interrupt, but go back to your story. Yeah. So so you decided to build a hoop house because yeah. obviously it can help you extend the season. It can help you get the season started earlier. Sure. You know, it extends it both ways. So. Sure. Uh, and it turned out, just as a side note, because it's fun, um, we have two kids. My husband and I have two kids. And it was great in January and February because with the solar heat kept in by the hoop house, our whole family can work out there in January and February and harvest care. Mm-hmm. It's just fun is what I'm getting at. Well, like, you're, look, you're standing in the hoop house and you're looking outside and it's whatever, how cold it is. Yes. But you're in the hoop house and yeah. you're sweating because you're working, it's, right? It's 20 degrees warmer in yeah. the hoop house during yeah. the day than it is right and across. And you're watching things that are green and growing. Yeah, and the worms are alive and all of that and stuff. And by the so. way, if you want to see a photo of this hoop house, I've got it on my website, MikeNovak.net. You can find it there yeah. um, and uh, take a look and, and you'll see what we're talking about. So... You, you you construct this hoop house, yep. and and it actually worked very well for you, didn't it? Yeah, it worked very well. And uh, uh, we fast forward, we, we got a notice from the city that uh, we needed to come talk to them about it. We had been reported by one neighbor, which we were startled by because mm-hmm. it, it was in our backyard. It's it, We just didn't anticipate any difficulty. Well, what was the nature of the complaint? Well, it was sort of a moving target at the beginning. We were told that um, it just wasn't allowed. Then we were told that it was too loud, that the hoop house structure itself was too loud. So like you said, a moving target. You weren't exactly sure what. Because I read in one story that it was the noise that the, the plastic was flapping in the breeze. Now, I'm looking at the photo right there, and given the structure 
and how meticulously it is constructed, I find it hard to believe that even if you had flapping plastic, that you wouldn't have taken care of it immediately. Uh, yeah, my my husband is very meticulous and engineer by training, software engineer, but an mm-hmm. engineer nonetheless by training. So that's why you get the very even spacing. Everything is belt yeah, and suspenders. It looks like a hoop house. It's very it, sturdy. It's not just something you guys threw together. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. did. I would have thrown something together. They did it right. Okay, we that's did, the difference. We did offer to get a decibel meter and set it out. Are you serious? Yes. I've got one. I've the, got yeah. one on my phone. What what happened to my phone? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I I have a decibel meter here on the phone. Yeah. It's a terrific little app. I Ron Calgill and I kind of found it one day. I said, "You got to see this. It's so In cool." In a moment of geek, you put it on your phone. <laughs> totally. Cuz it doesn't take up a lot of space. So, yeah. there you go. It, it we we offered to do that at our expense with a decibel meter of their choosing from Home Depot or the like. Yeah. And they rejected our offer, so then it it wasn't about the noise and then we were told it was about its appearance that it was mm-hmm. not attractive. Um, then, All yeah. right. Again, I have to take issue from that. That's a very attractive structure. All right. R- regardless of what you think of it, it is the lines are clean. It is uh, it is is well constructed. It doesn't look slapdash in any way, shape or form. Yeah. You don't have junk piled around it or anything. It's so, neat. It's clean. It's, so yeah. let's continue with the story. So you got a complaint. What happened next? Well, uh, this went on long enough that eventually my husband said um, to the city, would you please just tell us the codes that we're violating so we can have something in writing to look at? And so we were given, um, well, they had to take a little while to research it. Because uh, <laughs> because they couldn't find the code, right? Is that it? Well, something I'll, like I'll that. just say <laughs> it took a few days for us to hear back. Yeah, okay. And... Uh, we were given two codes. There's a mobile home ordinance in the mm-hmm. city of Elmhurst, which forbids living in a mobile home or a tent um, or a membrane structure in your backyard. And uh, we felt that on its face, this was not applicable because nobody's living in there. Mm-hmm. And the it's, plants, it's yes. not a mobile home. It's not a residence for any. Buddy, <laughs> it's and by the way, one of our listeners on Facebook, and I'm looking at you, folks. Uh, Shelby says, "I want one." So uh, maybe you can <laughs> construct. Maybe maybe that's your future. You're, you're building and selling these hoop homes. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Well, there is something to be said for food independence and liberty. And frankly, I'm happy to help anybody who's interested in really. And that and that's kind of the it, yeah. It's there's an empowerment issue. There's liberty. It's yeah. it's it's not being at the mercy. Of the uh, of people who are going to put chemicals on the food, yeah. and, and I mm-hmm. assume that you didn't do that. Were you growing organically? This is beyond organic. <laughs> we save everything in our kitchen, uh-huh. and we use a Korean uh, composting method called Bokashi composting. We feed yes, everything I know about that, mm-hmm. directly yeah. into the garden. Um, all the plants themselves, as long as there's no uh, fungal or bacterial diseases, get composted and put back into the garden. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only thing that I apply to the garden. Uh, that's not uh, compost is neem a, sm- a light neem solution oil. of neem oil okay. uh, from time to time. So, so you're growing organically. You got it in your yard. You got this beautiful hoop house. It's well constructed. A neighbor says, yeah, "Was it one or was it more than one neighbor?" Well, that's a good question, Mike. It, it, I was curious because we've lived in this community for 17 years, and I want to make sure I wasn't 
offending a bunch of people. So I went door to door for weeks mm-hmm. and stalked to my neighbors and asked mm-hmm. if anybody was put out. Did because I didn't know who mm-hmm. who was upset and you at have the outset. A good relationship with your neighbors. Uh, actually, I met more neighbors this way than I have <laughs> in seventeen years, and all of them were so supportive. Mm-hmm. It was such a shot in the arm to meet. So yeah. many people for yeah. blocks surrounding You know, that's house. the same story we heard from, there was this couple earlier in the year in Arlington Heights that was growing yeah. vegetables in their front yard. Yeah. And they said, our neighbors are so supportive. And it takes yeah. one person who said, yep. I don't like what you're doing. Yeah. And, and then the city tells you to take it down. Yeah. I and, want lawn there. Yeah. So, yeah. And that was the case here. Uh, I, I did a petition of about 50 to 60 neighbors who were all... I, I couldn't have asked for more support, mm-hmm. um, but yes, there was one that I am aware of that re- repeatedly complained once in 2015, and then I, I understand it was repeated. I suggest in you bribe them, give them free vegetables. <laughs> I think that's the way this. That's the way America works. That's yeah. you know, land <laughs> of the food. land of the free and home of the graft. Yeah. So uh, it, it's been more challenging without going into too much detail. It's been more challenging than that. So you I had to eventually take down the hoop house this yes. past fall last year, you, um, almost a year ago. It was it was February. We resisted the attempt to take it down because we felt that the the um, t- the uh, I'm sorry, you actually you put it up in 2016 at right. the end of the season and right. then right by about February of this year, you had to right. take it down again. Right. The the. Mobile home code we felt was not applicable, and then the other code was uh, from the IBC permanent building uh, codes, which this is not a permanent building. It's more like an umbrella Mm -hmm. for your dirt. Mm -hmm. So we felt that that, I mean, I wouldn't make a permanent building out of a membrane either. So we felt that Uh. those were not relevant. So we resisted that, and that brought us into a trial with the city. They took us to court in February or in January and gave us one month to take it down, which if we did not, we we would be subject to fines between $25 and $1,000 a day. Mm-hmm. Wow. So and rather than take, take that chance, even if you won, I mean, I understand uh, no average homeowner is going to take that risk. Right. So you took it down, but you in turn decided to file suit against the city. Well, we have the right to appeal the decision. Okay. And so we were pushed into that position of going to court in the first place. And so we felt that their application of their own ordinances was faulty. And so we do have the right to appeal that. Mm -hmm. And so that is the process that we are engaging in at this time. We have one of our Facebook watchers right now on Facebook Live is Pat Fitzgerald, who's on the other side of the pond. Pat, I don't know if you realize that you're about to get hit by a hurricane. Um, Hurricane Ophelia is headed for the Isles over there. Uh, Pat is in uh, Ireland. Uh, So, but he says, I can't figure out. And I think he's trying to wrap his head around this whole thing, why the city would go after you because of one complaint and you got this hoop house. So let's let's take this moment to bring in uh, a guest who's been hanging on the phone very, very patiently, and we really appreciate it, uh, and that is DuPage County board member Liz Chaplin. Liz, good morning. Morning. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, you've been kind of following this, too, obviously, because you're a uh, county board member. You told me, we talked on the phone the other day, and you said you'd actually been by there, but you didn't get a chance to see the hoop house when it was up, did you? No, I didn't see the hoop house when it was up, but I did um, visit over the summer, and I was taken on a tour of the garden, and I 
got some wonderful vegetables and um yeah it was just i mean it's just a beautiful garden and an amazing place and they're really doing good things uh and you you wrote about it on your blog uh, um and uh, i i was looking over again uh where do you stand on this well you know just from a um i guess common sense kind of approach i mean to me i don't understand I don't understand why this is such an issue. This is a family that is trying to do something good. They're teaching their kids great skills. They're um, trying to maintain and live a healthy lifestyle, which is really great. And they're, um, you know, trying to live a sustainable lifestyle. So um, I don't understand what the issue is. Um, And, you know, like in DuPage County, if they were in the unincorporated area, we would treat a hoop house just like we would a shed, a non-temporary, mm-hmm. you know, not permanent structure. So, um, you know, just wrapping your head around it in a common sense way, it doesn't make any sense that they're having all this trouble um, regarding this hoop house. It, it really doesn't make any sense. Okay. Uh, and I have a couple of theories on this that I want to propose to to each of you we need to take a really short break and when we come right back uh we will continue the conversation with liz chaplin dupage county board member and nicole virgil uh who uh owns and operates the hoop house when it's up but it's not up at the moment uh and that's in elmhurst if you want to weigh in the phone number is 847-475-1590 and also Uh, Ron Kress, we will be talking to Ron Kress before the end of the hour, who's who's dealing with a a similar situation in DeKalb. So it's an interesting show. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We will be right back. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. If you garden in or around Chicago and you don't have a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, I'm a little worried about you. That's because you're missing out on not only the garden magazine for our region, but one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, as well as articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, and What to Do in the Garden. Of course, there's my column on the inside back page of every issue, but into each life a little rain must fall. 
Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere, but go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. That sound you hear is my time machine letting me know it's time to return to our own world. This is your talk, WCGO. Hang on. What happened there? Uh-oh. <laughs> it's skipping. Uh-oh. Okay, so much for that CD. I'm going to have to move well, that, now. that CD to another player. See? I, we, it was too good to be true. We didn't have any technical snafus up until now. You know how it works, Brandon. we got to have one on the show to start it. It's not a show if something's not going wrong. Exactly. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Um, I will I will switch that to the other CD player. It probably will read it better. And with us in the studio, Nicole Virgil, who is a uh, a farmer. I guess you could say the suburban farmer. We have urban farmers. We have suburban farmers. We have ex-urban farmers. Uh, in uh, the suburb of Elmhurst, um, and uh, Liz Chaplin, a DuPage County board member, is on the line. Ron uh, Cress is with us, too. Hang on, Ron. We're going to get to you in a second. Don't worry about it. Um, and uh, we're talking about this hoop house that is in uh, Elmhurst that uh, Nicole Virgil put up, and we we got a ton of people on Facebook Live watching us right now because they're interested in the story. Um, and one of them is my friend Nina Koziel, who writes for the Chicago Tribune, among other things, in Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. Um, and she asks a question that I was going to get to, so we might as well just jump right into it. She, she writes, how large is their lot? If they're on a small lot, you can see why the neighbors might be upset. If it's blocking their view, etc. hoop houses are great products. If you're on a large property, a set of smaller Hoop houses might have been approved. Will be interesting to see how this plays out. And it leads right into my question, which I've been thinking all along since I saw this story. Um, and I'll address you first, Nicole, and then Liz, maybe you can comment on this. Um, have you considered restructuring it so it's slightly smaller? Yeah, uh, that's how we started out, was um, offering to work with the city to um, construct some ordinance that would set parameters for hoop houses. Mm -hmm. Currently, there is nothing that speaks to the issue. So we were previously working only within the constraints of general zoning. So uh, we made sure before we started that our lot coverage stayed well below the the maximum amount based on our lot. Right. So uh, that was my husband's first consideration before we started it. One. Number two, we we have a wonderful neighbor right across the street um, who came to city council meeting to testify in the public forum that he is the one who is in the position to see the hoop house most directly as his front door opens up to the only place where you could possibly see it from the Mm -hmm. front. And he said, I didn't even know it was there until all of this hoop house hoopla got started. (laughs) So it's not obstructive to the neighbors. Because I I can see how that would be. Some people might say, well, it doesn't fit. It's too large. Let's make it smaller. And you could because right now it's a walk-in 
hoop right. house, and a lot of people use hoop houses that are not walk-ins, that right. are that are e- either crawl-ins or right. smaller in some way, and you access them other ways. Right. So I can speak to that as well. We did consider <laughs> all the different sizes well before we knew this was going to be an issue, yeah. just pertaining to our particular gardens. And since we grow so um, ambitiously and our soil is so mm-hmm. rich, we have plants right now that are six feet tall. And so since we're trying to extend the season for plants that are four to six feet tall, a low frame or a low tunnel simply wouldn't accomplish the task for us. Um, and again, at the beginning, we had no idea it would be a problem. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's why we went with the higher model. It wasn't as much to accommodate us as it was to a- accommodate the purpose of protecting the plants, which, you know, we have kale plants which that makes are sense. up to here. Yes, of you course. Know, I've got kale plants that are five feet tall. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was how that got started. So when we found out that it was a potential problem for the city, we said, okay, well, what would work? How can we construct, you know, we asked, can we please work with the city to construct an ordinance that would be to everybody's liking? And they have flatly refused Hmm. to speak with us about it. They won't discuss sitting down and coming up with an ordinance. Liz, can you weigh in on that? What is... What's wrong with the city? <laughs> I guess I should ask. Why Why won't they sit down with these people and, and do something constructive? You know, I don't understand why they're not willing to sit down with the Virgils and talk about this. Um, you know, it just seems like they don't want to deal with it, and they're avoiding the issue. Um, and honestly, I really don't think that's a good way to govern um, because, you know, you're a you're elected to represent the people that are living in the area. And if you're not even willing to sit down and talk with them, that's a problem. And, 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 and it takes me to, you know, Pat Fitzgerald writing from Ireland here. Uh, he says, I don't think it's only Chicago, but fantastic that you are highlighting um, greenhouses that are part of the local food empowerment movement. Um, and he says, as for the hurricane, it's on my way and my greenhouse is in its path. But such is life. Uh, <laughs> OK, yeah. Not every day you get a, a hurricane in Ireland. But the getting back to the issue in Elmhurst, it's it's I, and I've seen this before and it's it's happened in Chicago and it's happened in other burbs. And we're going to get to Ron Kress in a second uh, where people get stuck in this mentality that they only seem to understand what's already there in front of them. And if somebody's breaking the mold, if it has come up with a new paradigm, they they panic and they freeze mm-hmm. and they don't know what to do when it really can be kind of simple if you just sit down and work it out. There's um, mis- misconceptions and they don't necessarily even know where to go because they don't want to deal with it. And let's face it. Let's face it. We're, we, as uh, Nicole said, her greenhouse is beyond organic. Okay. Let's look at what a typical lawn is all about. It's about chemical inputs and and propping up um, a plant that might do well, but uh, you're 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 forcing you know if you're you're keeping the weeds out, you're putting poisons down. Um, it is a biological desert. What's the point of propping up that? I mean, this is what the city will say is appropriate. Okay. We support chemical use and biological deserts over food production. Mm -hmm. Do you know how dumb you look when you say something like that? You really look dumb. So that's my message. to But it's the norm. It's the expected. And a hoop house is out of the norm. Exactly. That's the problem. I have to interject here. 
along your line, we have been given the green light, according to city ordinances, to put in that same spot a cement slab with a quite costly glass greenhouse, which would kill all the plants during the summer because it would be too hot, the plants that we're growing. That would be okay because it has the... has a foundation. It has a foundation. It has the aura of prestige. I don't get it. Do you understand? But I'm also looking, based on something you said in the permanent structure, I wonder if there's something that somebody who doesn't know is afraid this thing's going to blow into someone else's yard. Safety... Um, was our primary concern. Okay. And so while we offered that as one of mm-hmm. the potential things they'd like to evaluate, my engineer husband and I offered to <laughs> undergird it, mm-hmm. strap it, tie it down, secure it in any way. That was another discussion that mm-hmm. they would yeah. not have. Nope. Pour that concrete mm-hmm. slab. <laughs> okay. So with the flooding that we get mm-hmm. in Elmhurst, which we're particularly susceptible to, yep. you can see how the soil being available seven months out of the year is a much preferable solution to having it covered 100% of the year. This is not a concern for the city. Okay. So there we have it. We're at a point where it would be it would behoove the city to sit down and talk with the Virgils and figure out a solution. In the meantime, you've also put together a change.org petition that you're trying to get people to sign. Yes, sir. Uh, how How is that working? I mean, what what is it you hope to accomplish with that petition? Well, we've seen a couple other initiatives, one in Canada, one in uh, South Central Los Angeles, mm-hmm. where people trying to garden uh, were being shut down by the municipalities where they were able to garner enough signatures on a change.org petition, which subsequently sends emails to all the change makers at City Hall. And they were successfully able to get enough support through their change.org petition to have an impact and and win in both of their cases. One was a front yard lawn, one was gardening in the parkway. Um, And so, yes, we have a petition at change.org, which is linked to um, on our Elmhurst Hoop House Supporters Facebook page. If you search for Elmhurst Mm -hmm. Hoop House Supporters, you'll find it there. Right. You can, and that's, right up on the Facebook Live right now, And you can go too. to Elmhurst oh, Hoop House Supporters. We've got it on my website, mm-hmm. MikeNovak.net. You can go right now. You can sign. I'll bet we'll get, uh, you know, we'll get that Mike Novak bump here, and we'll get a few extra <laughs> signatures. All Thank right. Um, um, I'm going to let you go, Liz. Uh, I've got any final comments on this? I know you're a busy gal. Oh, yeah. No, you know, it's just like I said, um, I hope people get on that uh, petition and sign it and support the Virgils because it really is a wonderful thing that they're doing, and um, they need everybody's support. All right. Thank you so much. That is uh, uh, Liz Chaplin, and she is a uh, DuPage County board member. I appreciate you taking the time this morning, and uh, I I, I bet you got uh, rain issues to deal with this morning, too. I was already out in Lyle uh, (laughs) driving through, talking with people, making sure they're okay, with the floods we've had out here, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Fat, uh, Pat Fitzgerald, just so you know, we had uh, we had uh, five to six inches of rain here last night, so it, it's been an interesting twenty four hours here in Chicago. All right, we'll talk to you later, Liz. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Uh, uh, we've got a couple of minutes here. Let's bring in our other guest, and that is Ron Cress out of DeKalb, Illinois. Ron, good morning. Good morning. Get the water out of your basement. Uh, I did get the water out of my most of it. I'm I'm blowing fans now. Okay, just <laughs> just trying to get the the rest of it dry. Uh, as sure. long as as long as it doesn't rain another five inches, I should be okay. Um, 
And Ron, you're you're just a a, a retired psychologist. Uh, you claim you got native plant religion. Uh, <laughs> yes. Many years ago, when you visited uh, Nachusa grasslands, um, and so what did you do about that? Well, uh, since that time, I've uh, I've been gradually adding more and more native plants to to my yard, my home yard, and uh, currently. Uh, the backyard is essentially 100% native. Uh, the front yard is probably 50-60% native, the rest being in uh, weedy uh, lawn, lawn grass. Um, but uh, this April, uh, my neighbor, who had moved in three years ago, um, called the police on my yard. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, rather than rather dear. than come talk to rather, Ra- than, come rather talk than come talk to you, rather than even go to the city council, he calls the police. Call the police. Yeah, yeah. And the issue the issue for him was really the fact that I used my sump pump discharge to water the plants. Great water. Okay, I'll tell you what. Hold that thought. Sure. <laughs> okay, we've got the police coming out to check on native plants and sump pump <laughs> discharge in a person's yard in DeKalb. Um, in the cornfields, in DeKalb. So uh, that's Ron Kress. Nicole Virgil is still in the studio with us. I'm Mike Novak. That gal is Peggy Malecki, and we will be right back. Chicagoans are looking for ways to get healthier in 2017. Hi, I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach this growing wellness market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 monthly readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and taking action. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, integrative doctors and dentists, nutritionists, health and lifestyle coaches, yoga classes, green landscapers, even home improvement and energy efficiency experts. Our dedicated readers pick up their free copies each month from more than 1,100 locations throughout the city and suburbs because they know it's the best source for information about healthy, green living in Chicago. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. That's 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovak.net. Find out what's going on in Evanston. Tune in to Haggerty's Huddle every other Monday on French and Friends. Brought to you by Chicago Lee Magazine. Name the city's top magazine. Don't just read more, read better.
What? <laughs> Come on. I think you're doing that on purpose. I think it's the CD. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't like the CD. That's what I get for playing stuff off of CDs, right, instead of audio files. I'm old school. Sometimes I'm Brand- old school. Brandon's like, what's a CD? Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day. There you go. Player. I'm not that young. That's right. <laughs> Hey, let's let we'll swap stories. I got I got thousands of cassette tapes in my garage right now, trying to figure out what to do with them. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, we're having a very interesting phone conversation and and a live conversation here in the studio. And a bunch of folks have joined us on Facebook Live, and we appreciate that. Nicole Virgil is in the studio. Um, she grew or, or or put up a hoop house in Elmhurst, and the powers that be said, we don't think so. And, uh, and that's kind of where we are with that. That's in the courts right now. And on the phone is Ron Kress from uh, DeKalb, Illinois, who put native plants in his yard. Oh, and, no. And his neighbor, <laughs> as I was saying during the break, his neighbor called the police and said, that man's growing coneflower. I want him in handcuffs. <laughs> uh, and that's the way that works. So uh, you had your neighbor call the police uh, and so what did the police say when they came out to your place? Well, they really, as I mentioned, they really came out to uh, to address the issue of using my sump pump discharge to water my plants. Mm-hmm. And that was a no-no. But the officer who appeared uh, brought along with him the list of annoyances uh, as far as the city is concerned. And one of those was the issue of weeds. And the DeKalb Weed Ordinance says, Thou shalt not have anything other than trees, shrubs, flowers, and other ornamentals that grow taller than eight inches in height. And I <laughs> said, Well, uh, I would classify my native forbs and grasses as other ornamentals. Um, I then went to the uh, City Environmental Commission meeting the following month and talked about the issue. And uh, they were very receptive, and it was an issue that they wanted to address, uh, that being the change of the wording uh, in the city ordinance on weeds. And so that's been going on now for six months. Uh, The commission has recently uh, submitted a draft uh, ordinance revision to the uh, city staff, who then came back and said, well, what we'd like to have you, the commission, do is has um, generated some overall uh, concepts, and then the city attorney will uh, wordsmith that and put it into ordinance language. Well, and, uh, the, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say uh, you're already making more progress than Nicole is because yeah, you've yeah. got you've gotten the city to say okay let's figure this out and, and and that's the way you hope it will go right exactly yes exactly um this thursday as a matter of fact the uh, commission is meeting to uh, generate those lists that list of uh, overriding uh, concepts uh, i've submitted um, a draft idea to them that essentially says, um, hey, you really can't legislate uh, landscape beauty. Uh, What you can do, in my mind, is to ban certain noxious weeds, and those we can list very easily. You also could ban lawn grass, such as 
Kentucky blue and some of the fescues that are growing over some certain height. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But other than that, um, let people do what they want. I happen to have an interesting neighborhood in that I've got the neighbors on two sides, uh, one being the one who complains, who have uh, what I call golf course lawns. Uh, I have another neighbor who has uh, vegetable gardens right up to her property line. There you go. And uh, that's fine as far as I'm concerned. I have another neighbor Mm -hmm. two doors down who has probably $50,000 or $100,000 worth of hardscape in his backyard. And that's fine from from my standpoint. (laughs) Uh, I have a a neighbor who's who's within eye shot distance who happens to be a psychiatrist who has pink flamingos in his front yard. (laughs) (laughs) And again, that's fine from my standpoint. So, Ron, though... They're addressing the trying to change the ordinance for definition of weeds. What about the gray water? What about the rain, uh, a rain barrel, rain garden, stormwater discharge, sump pump discharge? You know, it's interesting. Um, the public works person came out and you know, at that time told me that I have two alternatives. One is to directly hook up to the uh, sewer system mm-hmm. uh, at a cost of two or three thousand dollars. Uh, or I could run it down my driveway into the street until October 1st. And I took the ladder, and now I'm directing it back into the backyard. (laughs) And I've asked the the city, I said, do you have an ordinance that really addresses the issue of sump pump discharge for for private land? There is an ordinance that deals with public land, Mm -hmm. and they do not have one. Mm. So um, my plan is to formally put in a rain garden um, this coming spring. And currently I have rain barrels uh, at two of my downspot areas. Mm-hmm. So uh, you are addressing this. This this looks like this could potentially have a happy resolution, and that makes me glad. And I'm hoping, Ron, that you will keep us posted on what happens in the council. Uh, during the break, Nicole brought up something very interesting about the hoop house, getting back to that very quickly uh, and that is, you first heard about the controversy when you heard what rumor? Oh, uh, there were some moms at the corner where I pick up my daughter from elementary school who were mentioning that somebody was growing pot on the street, that there was a pot house somewhere in the neighborhood. <laughs> and I said, where would that, I think I walk around here all the time, where would that be? And as it turns out, the... Jacques your Hughes. backyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see where people would get that idea. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not saying that it's a legitimate uh, concern, but. Uh, but a greenhouse. They must be. They what must else be. could they I be mean, doing? You know, I'm, I'm growing lettuce in my front window. I've got a happy leaf grow light and I've got some lettuce and some indoor greens, microgreens in yeah. jars. Yeah. And you can see that light from the street. Oh, yeah. I keep yeah. expecting the police to knock on my door and say, what What are you growing? Yeah. And I'm going to say, my my dinner. That's my, like yeah. A, yeah, a that, salad. Yeah, that, that light glowing out of my basement window. Yeah, it's just of the happy leaf, the right. same thing. So, uh, well, listen, um, we, we only have a couple of minutes here. Um, I guess the answer here is... First of all, we got to follow these two stories. So, Nicole, you have to keep us posted. Absolutely. Um, uh, but the solution, uh, as in Ron's case, is how do you figure out how to get the city to talk to you? And and I think, and I th- I'm sure you have. You've been reasonable, and you say, "Hey, let's 
let's figure out the parameters of this. If the city said, we can accept your hoop house, make it half the size, would you do it? Yeah, we'd talk to them about anything. I've researched 18 different municipalities and submitted all the hard copy emails with the Mm -hmm. headers from the zoning and building code people where they do authorize and already have ordinances in place written for this to give them a wide plethora of existing language. They've thrown it out. They've thrown it out? Yeah, they they expired Mm -hmm. the topic and... Jeez. Well, maybe after this gets settled in in your court on the 31st, maybe they'll bring it back up again. Uh, We we do hope so. Yeah. So I'm I'm wishing you good luck. And, Ron, uh, same to you. Uh, You're you're moving down the right road. Just to let you know, I've talked about this issue on my show before several years ago, and there are laws out there. I know that uh, Advocates for Urban Agriculture in Chicago has been working to come up with laws that make more sense. There's a committee that has been doing this. Um, I think it's been put on hold because there's one particular court case in in the city, so they've had to wait on it. But you're not alone. This is no. happening elsewhere. So I want you, Ron, to keep us posted as well, okay? Will do. All right, Fabio. And good luck this Thursday. Uh, thank you. Thank you both. This is Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're back after No Name News. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, be more specific. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Of course. Attack of the Killer Asparagus is required reading at Starfleet Academy. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Gwynok of Ninglador. Captain, shields are failing. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. Captain, it seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener, taking all our self-delusions, mishaps, and confusions, and playing them for big laughs. That's not very helpful, Mr. Data. No, it is, however, highly accurate. Welcome to the second hour of The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847-475-1590. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Whenever my head starts to hurt Before it goes from bad to feeling worse I turn off my phone, I get down low And put my hands in the dirt And welcome back to The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we're going to go live on Facebook here uh, in three, two, and one. We had uh, a really great crowd here uh, for the first hour, and I think it's because uh, Nicole Virgil had was sharing it on her Facebook. It's that synergy. Ooh, got to like that Facebook, <laughs> that social media synergy, Woo! baby. So any of you who are watching us, please go and share it to your Facebook page right now. <laughs> because that and, just and then, keeps the ball rolling. And then just drop a $20 bill in the mail, um, and everything will be great. Hey, look who's here in the studio with her microscope. Well, no, you got to hold that up. There it is. Uh, Michelle Hoffman. 
um, who is uh, educator extraordinaire at uh, 7,000 different (laughs) colleges. And Hawaii. Uh, you know, you, w- with you being spread all over, you're never going to get tenure if you keep doing that, you know. It's funny that you mentioned that because one of my schools just asked me to consider going after a promotion. Really? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> okay, you get a ding for that. And I was talking to Rick DeMaio uh, a few weeks ago about that. And, and you know, it's an interesting world you guys live in. Yeah, where you, it is. The one, especially the the what do you call you guys that they bounce from school to school teaching? It's um, I think they call us drifters, uh, <laughs> as opposed to grifters. But uh, those and are the, I prefer plankton because that means drifting. Uh, and we had somebody talking the other day about what's the the, the key species that if it disappears is going to cause everything to collapse. And yeah, that was last Sunday. That was last Sunday, and it was Jeff. Yeah, who said. I vote for plankton. You, plankton disappears, the world collapses. I'm telling you, we're I done. Know. We're done. <laughs> I'm there. Uh, I totally get your, that. Your too. ears were probably burning because we I mean, were talking about you. Because we talk about monarchs and and that sort of thing. And and if the monarch butterfly disappears, we we actually don't know what the effect will be. But other species have disappeared. Not such an iconic... Well, we've had iconic ones like that. I'm sorry, the passenger pigeon would blot out the sun in the 19th century mm-hmm. here in Chicago. Yeah. And in, in across America, we extirpated the passenger... I know, it's such a... It, it is... You can't even believe that we wiped out billions of birds like that but we in not a lot of years no and basically the 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 bulk of it happened between 1860 and 1900 so in about 40 mm-hmm. years we managed to wipe out billions of birds so we're really good so, at killing things and and bison as, too same thing bison and and we talked about that on the show last year when we had some of some bison wranglers and and scientists on because we were talking about them being reintroduced to um, the grasslands, Medewin National Tall Grass Prairie, um, in uh, in uh, in uh, in Wilmington, and part of what happened, and it's kind of interesting, and you as a scientist would appreciate that, Michelle, is the gene pool got very small. We got into this little bottleneck right at the beginning of the 20th century with bison, where we only had a few thousand here. And now you have to rebuild the population. What does that do when you make the gene pool that small? You you use the correct term. It's a bottleneck. And and it's very difficult, if at all possible even, to reverse it, to to reintroduce genetic diversity to the population. Yeah. So uh, and and at some point you will, but that's got to take hundreds, if not thousands of years to reintroduce that genetic diversity. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, what kind of problems are you causing for this species? So once again, human beings. Short term thinking. Yeah, we're we're really good at short term thinking. Uh, Don't even get me started because I'll just get mad. I'll just get really, really unhappy. So uh, here's the plan for the show today. For the second hour is right now we have no plan. <laughs> we have somewhat of a plan. <laughs> we have somewhat of a plan. We have we have topics. <laughs> we have topics to discuss. We have topics because we we have a guest that we contacted earlier in the week and then we, he fell off the planet. We're afraid he might have drifted away. Yeah, into the plankton. He's diving r- right r- now. Yeah, who knows? He's diving in the reefs. Um, and he was. This was going to be so cool, but he might still show up. 
Um, but uh, he was a guy, well, you know, we'll talk about what he did, even if he's not here. I mean, I wish he were here and we, and we had him, but Dr. David Vaughn, who's helping rebuild coral populations. I mean, he's come up with, it was called the Eureka Mistake. Um, he he accidentally figured out how to regrow coral. How By busting them into smaller very pieces. Very quickly. <laughs> and how to do it very quickly. Exactly. That's the cool thing. It really is. Yeah. So, uh, and if we're lucky, uh, he is going to be sitting by his desk and we will, we will get him on here. If not, in fact, Brandon, we may have you call from time to time to see if he's sitting there and waiting for our phone call. Uh, if not, we're, we still got the science desk and, you know, we might just have people call at 847-475-1590 and say, stump the scientist. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) I love Let me put it under the microscope. <laughs> oh, Lordy. All right. All right. So uh, 847-475-1590. But when we come back, we'll talk to Michelle about what she's been doing because uh, she's got that uh, film Microcosm still scheduled to come out next year, but we don't know what form it will be in. Maybe she'll tell us a little bit about that uh, and, uh, and her interesting travels. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. There's a... Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Hey, Ron Cowgill. Yes, Mike Novak. How would you like to drive the safest, quickest, and most capable sports utility vehicle in history? Legally? Of course legally. In fact, you would own it. Legally? Stop saying that. I'm talking about the Illinois Solar Energy Association, which is raffling off a 2017 Tesla Model X. You mean the one that comes standard, all-wheel drive, seating for up to seven adults, and up to 295 miles of range on a single charge? Yes. The one that can accelerate from zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds? Yes. How did you know that? I'm reading the script. Oh, well, then you probably know that only 2,500 tickets will be sold. They're 100 bucks each. You can purchase as many as you like, and the drawing is December 7th. Do I have to be present to win? Nope. Do I have to live in Illinois? Nope, just the lower 48 states. Is this the part where we read the disclaimer stuff really, really fast? Nah, this is where we tell people to get details at IllinoisSolar.org. You're good. Yeah. Your talk. This is your talk. Only on 1590. Your talk. WCGO Evanston, Chicago. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> bravo, bravo. That's actually for Audie the dog. <laughs> and this is uh, in honor of our friends in Ireland who are about to witness a hurricane, a Cat 3 
Hurricane. I'm hoping Rick DeMaio calls. Me too. So that we can uh, hear what he's got to say about this. He's got to be... This is like Rick's... Uh, he's geeking right yeah, now. Yeah, he's got to be very excited about it. So I better take this off because Facebook will then write us and say, you yep. can't post that. Uh, the, the Guardian says, weather warnings for UK as Hurricane Ophelia threatens 80 mile per hour gusts. Oy. Wow. They're not they're not actually uh, used to that, are they? No. Oh, oh, so so here's a tweet from the Dublin Fire Brigade. <laughs> oh no. Take okay. the opportunity today to secure garden furniture, trampolines, bins, large inflatable minions in preparation for Ophelia. And hoop houses. And if you have a giant hoop house, I'm sorry. Well, trampolines? How many and, Irish people have trampolines? And, Is that a thing? And quote, it's, it's a thing in Ireland. Wow. Large inflatable minions. Minions. Nice. Minions? Minions. Minions? Okay. I have to look up what that term means. Oh, no, the little yellow minions. Yeah, the minions. No, but, but is that what they're talking about? I wonder if there's... Or, or there are a lot of large inflatable minions in Ireland. I don't know. So so if Pat Fitzgerald's watching, maybe he can <laughs> I don't know clarify this issue. I don't I don't know if he's he's watching anymore, but uh yeah. Uh tie down your minion, Pat. So, so uh, there. Well, <laughs> welcome Na-na-na. back to, to the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki in the studio at the science desk with her microscope in hand is Do-do-do. is Michelle Hoffman, uh oceanographer. <laughs> And other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What else do you do that's entertaining? Cartwheels. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're on Facebook Live. You could you could do one there. That that'd be kind of fun. Um, I'm I was trying to get um, my f- friend Mary Lynn uh, was watching us on um, Facebook uh, earlier, and I've gone to the live version, and none of the comments are there now. That's what I love about. Oh no, maybe this is the one. I, no, I can't. I can't. You know, and that's the thing. I won't see any of this stuff until afterward. It, it's the the clunkiest social medium in the world is Facebook. Thank you so much. But you for, can go and watch us live now and join with your own comments. Thank you for being clunky, Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, so we don't have. All right, let's explain what our guest in absentia was supposed to talk about this morning. Well, Dr. David Vaughn is a fascinating guy, and Mm -hmm. he is a lead researcher at Moat Marine Lab down in the Keys. And his work revolves around restoring coral reefs and also examining their reproductive cycle so that we can basically make coral nurseries. It's ocean gardening, if you will. (laughs) I like it. uh, Yeah, but he had, as you said, a, a eureka moment where he realized that the corals could grow faster if he broke them into smaller pieces, which contrary to a long-held belief that bigger coral heads will grow faster mm-hmm. and start reproducing faster. So he kind of, he reversed everything. He he likened it to, to uh, thinning out your plants in the garden. And I thought that was a really great analogy. And so his goal, even though he's already sort of technically retired is to plant a million corals before before he, he retires oh before he retires oh, oh again <laughs> something like that well, yeah but that's but that's part of the the great story of this he didn't discover this until about 3 years yeah, ago exactly uh, when he was 61 uh and from what i read there he's become this inspiration for everybody over 60 that you can still accomplish something major mm-hmm. in your lifetime. Absolutely. Yeah. Our featured him with uh, what was it D- disrupt aging? Yes, exactly. hashtag. Disrupt aging? Mm-hmm. I lo- I love that. That's a great idea. But 
the behind the whole thing though is reseeding dying coral exactly. reefs which are down what 50% worldwide actually now? more than that and you know i don't know if a lot of people realize why florida is such a great place to do this type of research it's the th- third largest barrier reef in the world mm-hmm. um the florida reefs are huge and it's estimated that only 10% of it is covered with living flourishing coral and what's happened to the rest of it it's dead <laughs> It's dead, dying. It's, um, it's dead. <laughs> it has died off. There's no nice way to say it. Um, and I'm usually an optimist. But, um, you know, and, and as it erodes, as the coral erodes, uh, it actually deepens the water surrounding mm-hmm. the coral reefs. And so, you know, I love the show Shark Tank. I don't know if you if you watch Shark Tank. No. And they're always talking about the valuation of the company. We never value, do a valuation of the services that these organisms present us with. And without healthy coral reefs, we talk about how horrific the impacts of these storms are, mm-hmm. but they're going to be so much worse because we don't have that natural barrier. That's why they call it a barrier reef, because mm-hmm. it is a natural barrier that helps to protect against incoming storms, against tsunamis. Uh, these are natural protectors of our coastal real estate. And so it is very much a human issue as much as it is, oh, let's save the pretty coral because it's pretty and because there's nice animals living on it. Yeah, it's it's an underwater breakwater, basically. Exactly. It's going to exactly. at least slow down. It, you know, it slows down the wave intensity. It doesn't stop the waves, but it's keeping it from doing as much coastal damage. Exactly right. And I actually have a quote here from the U.S. Geologic Survey. It can slow waves and reduce wave heights from anywhere from 70 to 97 percent. So you're right. It doesn't stop waves, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. is significant reduction right. with the force with which they come and hit into shore. So what's happened in Florida? Because we're, we're working off some – there's a lot of different articles and some different things, and I'll try and post a couple of them um, – New York Times had a map that shows 250 years ago off the coast of Florida, particularly the Keys, and um, satellite images from today. And and I don't know the scientist's name, uh, the, the explorer's name, because I don't have it in front of me, but he was methodical in mapping every single reef. And these maps are just incredible to look at how much has gone away in 250 years? What what has happened to them? So a number of different things. We know that warming water temperature has a negative impact on coral reefs. Um, coral has an important relationship with algae. So we can consider that most species of coral are somewhat photosynthetic because they have to keep their algae happy. But when water temperature gets too warm, they let the algae go and the algae sur- uh, supplies most of their food. Mm-hmm. So they starve off. They starve off and they die. That's what we call coral bleaching. So there's been a lot of coral bleaching. That's a, that's a big part of it. And we know that that correlates to water temperature. But there's also a lot of issues with coastal runoff. And Florida is a largely agricultural state. And so there's a lot of wastewater runoff from the farms. Um, Fertilizers have had an interesting impact on the water because that's what's contributing to what we call harmful algal blooms, where my microcosm goes crazy and it populates in large number, but a lot of them are toxic. Mm-hmm. And one of the most recent studies from some of Dr. Vaughn's colleagues down at University of Miami is that there's actually a correlation between some of those toxins and Alzheimer's, ALS, and Parkinson's. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Mm. And we've been following lately. In fact, Pe- Peggy and I have been looking at reports that have come in in just the past two week- weeks about uh, algal blooms in Lake Erie. Yeah. Which is, a, it's they've gone nuts again. And we know what it is. Mm-hmm. It's basically farm runoff. 
It's also backyard runoff. It's the nitrogen and phosphorus, and phosphorus is the huge issue, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It and, is, and a lot of it, especially with Lake Erie, there's a, a new study that that's been being worked on by Alliance for the Great Lakes and several other groups, and they're looking at Ohio and Michigan and and Ontario and Quebec, and a lot of it's lack of ordinances, lack of enforcement, mm-hmm. that they can put manure down on frozen fields in the winter time, and that's causing huge amounts of runoff. Um, there's a lot of other containment rules that aren't there, aren't being enforced, and the municipalities are doing nothing. To even move it forward. Yeah, but we have to feed the world. And we have That's to, always the argument. It's we like, have to use up all those to, chemicals we have. We have to feed the world. So, And the only way we can do that is with the massive use of chemicals and fertilizer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the so-called conventional way of farming. Um, and I, personally, I don't think it's true. And it's a big argument because uh, there there are folks out there who say that's the only way to go, and then there are other folks mm-hmm. who say no, that's just not true. We can we can do, we can do better. It's that, and it's also just spreading manure on a frozen field. Well, that's not the only thing, but, but that's, that's part one. of what's that's, causing the yeah, runoff. Sure. Well, and it's because like, it's they because like, they have to do something with it. Well, and it's like telling folks uh, who have lawns in their backyard don't. Don't spread fertilizer just before a storm like yesterday runs through the neighborhood, comes through the neighborhood. Why? Because that all ends up in the gutter and then in our lakes and streams. Mm-hmm. So you got to be smart about the way you do this. But you're right. There has to be some, we, we have to uh, address this issue. And, and that's the frustration. It really is. I mean, what you're describing in Lake Erie is the freshwater equivalent of the harmful mm-hmm. algal blooms in the ocean. The only good news is they're not overtly toxic. However, well, that's um, not true. They well, are. they deplete. They deplete the oxygen supply. I mean, you're going to get fish. Wait, in the ocean or in in Lake Erie? In both. Okay, but there are toxic. Uh, 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 Algae in, right. in Lake Erie. They don't work the same way as the ones in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Okay. Toxins are different toxins. So different <laughs> toxins have different impacts. And so yeah. that's something that actually we're still trying to understand and to discover. So when I just mentioned that they were linking cyanobacteria, one of my little microcosms, to ALS, Alzheimer's, and Parkinson's, mm-hmm. yeah. that's really new research. Yeah. And a lot of the funding has been cut to validate those links and also to to try to research further, you know, what quantities do those toxins potentially result in these types of maladies. So there's all these human health concerns, but we still haven't even necessarily identified the scope of the toxins yet. Right. And according to the scientists, they are potent in much smaller amounts than most things humans have ever created. Mm-hmm. Um Two things. One, we've got a comment on Facebook Live. Uh, hi, Mary Lynn Krauss out in Montana who's uh, an old buddy of mine, and she actually wrote about uh, the first hour of our conversation. She said, hi from your old friend in Montana. Uh, No problems with folks doing yard farms and native plants here. Noxious plants are a huge no-no, though. Mm -hmm. Keep fighting the good fight, Nicole. Uh, But now Bob Trotalot writes, does coral and the destruction of it have any effect on atmospheric weather? That is such a good question. And yes, it does. And I know Rick DeMaio has looked at that quite a bit, much more than I have. Um, 
We actually think that to some extent the hurricanes are helpful because the hurricanes cool water temperatures. Mm -hmm. And in the hottest months, which of course is hurricane season down in Florida, um, you know that the hurricanes are fueling themselves off the warmer water cores at the surface. And so the hurricanes are able to draw that water up, which actually helps to alleviate some of the heat stress. So it's like the opposite of what you would think. Um, in terms of helping to cool it off, like well, an air conditioning you, you system. You know, I was reading uh, in, in, in preparation for today's show, there's a story that, that Peggy sent me about uh, Hurricane Irma going through the Keys and then people diving afterward and not only finding the coral intact, which was really cool, but uh, it had the, the storm had uncovered other things, which was oh, re- absolutely. pretty amazing. They were, there was an anchor that had just been unearthed. Uh, at the bottom of the ocean and and other stuff, but let's talk about the, the the effect of these storms on coral. Now, what's the photo you sent us today? We didn't have time to post it because you sent it this morning. Maybe we will oh, get it. I will see if I can find it. I can send it to you. Okay, uh, it's, so, it's up here. Okay. Uh, and by the way, uh, uh, Brandon, uh, let's try again. Can we try to get our guest get on the phone and see if he's uh, sitting by his desk there? Maybe, maybe he's got his coffee now. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> okay. So the picture that I sent you was an unbelievably large piece of coral that was only part of a much larger debris field that the cinematographer I've been working with down in Florida, Fraser Nivens, was just on a dive doing some other things. And it had unearthed this huge coral graveyard of all these dead corals. And so I know that he's reached out to some of the scientists down in the Keys to see if they could maybe date that coral, find mm-hmm. out what killed it when, you know, when it was last growing, uh, perhaps even what storm event took it out. The cor- or if coral, it was a storm leave, event. coral leave that information, don't they? They do. do. We... They do. Yeah. They're very effective at trapping information about ocean chemistry because as the organisms build their coral structure, Mm -hmm. they're inducting minerals from the water and they're inducting gases. And so they're... They're okay. fantastic um, time capsules of this type of information. And so if we could get some scientists looking at that debris field, we might be able to put some events together. Mm-hmm. So when the coral grows, is the record similar to tree rings yeah. or how do you read it? That's a that's an excellent comparison. Yeah, it's very similar to we, how you Well, read we tree talked rings. about that. Remember on the uh, when you brought your friend from... Mark Schick, yeah. Yeah, Mark Schick was here. And I don't think he believed me when I was talking about how coral records are proving... That our days we used to our days used to be shorter and we used to have more of them, mm-hmm. and I, it was this, this article I read recently about how uh, coral, as you said, it 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 preserves uh, records. It, it's kind of a, a, um, a time capsule, is is what coral is, and so they found coral fossils from four hundred million years ago, and uh, at that time. The, the number of days in our year was over 400. It was like 417 because it, they leave specific markings per year. And the question is, well, how did that happen? Why, why, why do we have fewer days now? And the fact is that the rotation of the earth is slowing. Why is the rotation of the earth slowing? Because of the moon. The moon, which used to be uh, closer, much closer, um, millions and millions of years ago is farther away uh, that it, there's an energy transfer. What's happening here is the earth is slowing, but the moon is moving farther away. So mm-hmm. there's, there's the equal and opposite reaction, I guess. And uh, at some point, I don't know whether the moon is going to end up flying in outer space, but it's getting farther away. At some point, however, we will no longer have total eclipses 
on the planet, which will be very strange because the moon will be too far to cover up the sun completely. So next, what is it, four years from now or six years from seven years? Seven years. Yeah, yeah, like I did this year. All right, we'll be back with Michelle Hoffman. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Did you know it can take up to three liters of water to produce just one liter of bottled water? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Over 22 billion water bottles end up in landfills each year, and far too many end up in our oceans and waterways. According to the Environmental Working Group, about 40% of bottled water is actually regular tap water that may or may not have gotten any additional treatment. They also confirmed there was at least 38 different low-level contaminants in bottled water and an average of eight chemicals. So, ditch the plastic water bottles, folks. Choose to filter water and use reusable bottles for your own health and to reduce plastic waste in landfills. I'm Green Diva Meg. Please visit thegreendivas.com to find useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and, of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. The Green Living Expo returns to McHenry County College on Saturday, November 4th, and this 10th anniversary celebration is going to be pretty special. For starters, there will be two fully decorated and locally owned tiny homes on display, the award-winning traveling exhibit Sustainable Choices, and area college and university solar and super mileage team race cars. Visit the Living Lightly Tent, where innovators share their energy savings inventions with you. Of course, more than 70 green exhibits and vendors of all kinds, including invited artists who will be displaying and selling their sustainable creations. Did I mention the Green Living Expo is free and open to the public? And Peggy and I will be there. McHenry County College, Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Go to mchenry.edu slash green expo or contact the MCC Office of Sustainability at 815-479-7765. This is your talk. You want to just put in hashtag in any of your social media, hashtag 1590WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. It's uh, Free Form Sunday. With, <laughs> with Anything m- goes Sunday. With Michelle Hoffman at uh, the Science Desk, and it's always a pleasure to have her here. Uh, you know, and I also want to tell folks who are listening and tweeting and those of us on, those of you on Facebook Live, um, give us some rain numbers. I want to know what you saw and, and the effects of it. I mean, I talked earlier in the show, I had, for folks who were just joining us, I had about four inches of water in my basement, uh, which got rotted out. I brought the rotter guy, and he and, and Carl's, he's a trip, you know? He's just <laughs> telling me stories about how to ride stuff out into the street, and it was it was a stitch. And uh, the fans are going, and we'll, uh, we'll dry it up and try not to... Uh, uh, come down with some nasty disease because all that stuff is in the basement. Mushroom but, farming? No. Uh, um, no, maybe. You know. I mean, it's it's wet. <laughs> it's dank enough down there. We we could do. You know, I hadn't thought about that. Maybe that's the way. 
<laughs> and then we'll have the the uh, we'll do a little uh, phytoremediation and have the mushrooms suck up all the toxins yeah. that are in my basement. How's or you'll that? have shiitake growing in your upstairs cabinets. One you of the watch two. your tongue, lady. Okay, <laughs> you watch what you're saying there. So yeah, if if you have a report on on water in your area, um, put it on Facebook, put it on Twitter, send us an email. Uh, how else? Call us. Yeah, eight four seven four seven five fifteen ninety. You're you're welcome to do that. Now, before we go any further, because we we've been talking about coral, but we need to talk about microcosm. And because the last time you were on the show, you did not get a chance really to plug it. And now you've got all this time where we we're just <laughs> sitting here twiddling our thumbs. So you might as well uh, give a big plug for what's going on with microcosm. Well, so we're pretty excited. We actually just got a new video up on our YouTube feed, which features the voice of Bill Curtis. I can't even try to imitate because it's so fabulous. But He's it's the man a- who says... Yeah. Environment. Yes, that's the guy. <laughs> environment. <laughs> We're pretty darn excited. It's only taken us a year and a few months to be able to post it. And part of the reason why it just went live now is because there were new species discovered on our Wait, Arctic that gets cruise. A... Right? Yes, new species discovered. And the, so. On Bill Curtis? No. Oh. <laughs> Maybe. I don't in know. Let's get him in here. <laughs> so, how do you discover new microscopic species? These guys were actually not micro, they were a little bit bigger. Uh, The largest one was about the size of a big orange. And so this was all part of our expedition in the Arctic last summer, Mm -hmm. six weeks aboard Coast Guard Cutter Healy uh, with the U.S. Coast Guard and University of Alaska. And it was a biodiversity study. It was literally a neighborhood study, who's who, all the way from the sky down to the ocean floor, different teams working on different, um, you know, animals, organisms, or environments. And one of the people on our boat was a specialist in jellies. We like to call him Dr. Jelly. Uh, But he's really Dr. Dougal Lindsay uh, from Japan. Are we and talking grape or strawberry? A little bit of everything. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so he thinks that he discovered at least six new species. Uh, of tinafore jellies, which are comb jellies. They're not stingers like traditional mm-hmm. jellyfish. They're really um, just cool animals that have these really epic light displays and stuff. And not only that, one of them gave birth on our camera. Now, that you will not see yet because the paper has not been published yet. But that's really weird because usually jellies... So you jellies... plan to release this? This is Oh, eventually. Yeah, that'll come out. Is this a first? Has anybody ever seen this before? Once before in a different species, once. But this is not typically the way that these animals uh, procreate. They usually shed their gametes into the water column, external fertilization. But this thing literally flopped out a baby and then five more (laughs) on our camera. On live TV. (laughs) On live television. My cameraman, what's that white thing? The scientist, what white thing? What? (laughs) And then it was havoc in the lab. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. That is so cool. It was extraordinary. So... There are three new species that have really never been seen publicly that are part of this video. Mm-hmm. So, so you here you've been working now for how many years? Gathering about five. About five years. <laughs> I mean, this is a long project, uh, uh, and you're moving forward. Uh, what can you tell us about how this all comes together? It was originally scheduled for um, 2018. Is it? Are you still on course? Potentially. You know, it's been suggested that so much material has come into this project that it might be more than a 90-minute film. Ooh. And so we hmm. are exploring that possibility and mm-hmm. seeing if perhaps it has potential as a, is either a limited installment or a television series type situation. So, 
as soon as I know for sure, you'll know for sure. But we're gonna we're gonna pursue that and see what happens. And I keep I keep volunteering. And if you need any voiceover stuff, uh, I'm here. I got the pipes. Uh, I'm warming them up right now. <laughs> uh, and we'll see what, what we can do about that. You must be fascinated though uh, by what's going on in the Arctic since you've been up there and you spent six weeks up there. Now, as a result of that, do you follow? the changes there and the ice patterns, you must be obsessive about it. Now I'm you're... pretty obsessive about it. I am. And there is a possibility that we'll be going back to Gulf of Alaska next mm-hmm. uh, in the spring semester for me. So there's another very similar expedition biodiversity study that's being led by the University of Alaska, and they've asked us to come out. So I'm hoping that I can work that out with my respective universities. <laughs> and uh... all, all those different places you freelance. Yes. Well, yeah. part of the thing that excites me about it is they've uh, they've proposed the idea of us setting up a virtual class. Wow. Mm, take me with you. Right? <laughs> so how cool I, would I'm, that I'm be? I'm trying to get to Mayo to take me to Iceland, and you can take me to Alaska, and that would just be okay with me, really. <laughs> or, or on your Hawaii trips, too. Yeah, that's upcoming in December, actually, so well, we're see, planning ho- to uh, be back there. Hawaii's on my states to go to list. Well, so. then come with us. Uh, a terrible time of year to go to Hawaii <laughs> in December. Oh, my gosh. What are you going to do? We're going to migrate with the whales. That's what we're doing because all the whales come <laughs> during those months. So we're going we're gonna to migrate with the whales. So what they do is they take the big boat. They say, turn off the engine, and then you just drift, and then the whales uh, push Actually, you we're going to be on the Coast Guard vessel that's yelling at the other vessels to stop their motors. Um, so we were invited uh, to join the Coast Guard because they actually escort the whales, believe it or not. Really? Um, they do. They they are, they are patrol the whole because... area. Because people do stuff they're not supposed to do. Wait, like, so you're is... not supposed to ride whales. Okay, you folks. Don't um, ride whales. We're, we're pointing at you on Facebook <laughs> because we know all of you folks watching on Facebook are the whale riders. And... <laughs> Stop that. Yeah, and, 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 and Jessica, we always stand during the show. Oh, she's wondering why we're, uh, yeah, it's the energy thing. Urgh. There you go. Uh, but uh, so when you say they escort the whales, is it like a regular uh, pattern of migration that they watch out for and then they bring the Coast Guard in? There is, actually. So but Don't um, worry. Donald Trump will take care of that. He'll get oh. those guys out of there. <laughs> No, uh, yeah, because their jobs aren't important anyway, right? We have the best <laughs> whales. Our whales are best. Our whales don't need Coast Guard. They're the bigliest whales. The bi- yeah, big fun to whale. ride. <laughs> oh God, I'm having th- thrombosis right now. Um, <laughs> Any, um, anytime that name comes up, <laughs> I have I have palpitations. <laughs> So, yeah, so this is a regular migration, and these whales very likely came from around the Gulf of Alaska and possibly the Bering Sea, where they spend their summers feeding, and then they come down to the Hawaiian Islands because it's a breeding and a mating ground. So we believe that part of that is driven by the fact that they want to get away. It's where all the clubs are. It's where (laughs) we're going to be filming whale pornography. That's exactly what we're going to be doing. (laughs) You didn't hear that. You didn't hear that here. You'll have multiple ratings <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have a different audience base now, don't we? <laughs> uh, but so you're, you're going to come down there and, and you're going to take part in those uh, the escorts uh, for the whales and your ship will be uh, in the convoy, so to speak? They actually do a few different things. They have, um, they have boats that go out on patrol during the day. And it's mainly just to make sure that people are maintaining the legal distance from the whales, that they're not trying to chase them or harass them. 
Um, occasionally there's boardings because it is a law enforcement mission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they will also have ice, they will have cutters offshore. Um, so there is the potential to stay overnight on some of the larger Coast Guard vessels. Mm-hmm. And then they also patrol by helicopter. So that'll give an aerial perspective, which is pretty cool. Are you and, gonna, oh, go ahead. And, I was gonna say, and then you guys are following them. What are you planning to be filming, studying? So we're filming the whales because when they are in their feeding mode, they're eating my microcosm for the most part. And so part of our story is manta rays and whales and the larger charismatic megafauna that feed off of all this really tiny stuff. And Hawaii, of course, is also a hotbed for manta rays. you got to eat a lot of plankton uh, and, and, and tiny stuff to survive doing that. You need like a vacuum mouth. But to your point earlier, Mike, that's exactly why you pull the plankton out of the equation and you are mm-hmm. ripping the tablecloth out from under the china. And a lot of people are not thinking about this stuff because you can't see it really. Well, because it's not on land. And and you're right. They don't think. In and it's the, not cute. Look, let me put it this way. Most human beings don't think at all. They just don't think. Okay. And they certainly don't think about the future. It's all what's in front of me right now. Oh, look, a pretty thing. Mm-hmm. And how much money can I save or how much money can I make? And that's why we have people like you. Out there. No, seriously, filming. Now, and my, one of my, my question was going to be, are you going to the new area that was designated by uh, President Obama? The uh, what, What's that area off of Hawaii? Papahanaamokuakea Marine Reserve. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. Because I can't type it. Easy for you to say. Yeah, I would like to. Um, hopefully wait, that'll wait, be in wait, the wait, cards wait. for I, the future. I, I, I want you to say that... Uh, well, oh, wait, wait. No, I need to. Hold oh, on. you'll love the Hawaiian state fish if you like that. Oh, give us uh, the Hawaiian state fish. Humu, humu, nuku, nuku, apua'a. Well, and actually, okay, so I did notice on, I think it was on your Facebook page, you said you are fluent in the Hawaiian language. No, I'm not fluent. Oh, no, no. Okay, no, 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 but no. you do speak it. Little bits here. Okay, how, did, how, how no, did you no, learn no, that? No. Just exposure. What's, 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 a, what's a good phrase in Hawaiian? Mahalo nui loa. What does that mean? I got a better one for you, actually. There's a term called kuleana, and it's not really translatable to English, but it's a sense of ownership and responsibility that transcends the self. All right, and that goes... That's a term we need. That's a term we need. I think that a lot of us need to understand our kuleana, which means our place in the world and what our impacts are that go beyond the self. And that's it? It's just kuleana? Kuleana. 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 How do you say <laughs> And it means a sense, again? It's a, it? it's, a, it's a global sense of responsibility. It's responsibility of the self and beyond the self, All right, how basically. Do you, uh, how do you spell that? K-U-L-E-A-N-A. Cool. There's only eight consonants in the Hawaiian language, so you can repeat a whole <laughs> bunch of them and you'll probably end up saying something. Kuleana. Kuleana. Our there show, you go. What? Oh, you put it up there. Kuleana. <laughs> Kuleana, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay, just had to do that. All right, we got a minute. When we come back, uh, we continue this freeform science hour with uh, Michelle Hoffman. But you know the coolest stuff, Coolia. <laughs> you know the Kuliana stuff, uh, and which is we'll... a lot better than that other word, coffee. Oh no! You just you just ruined my day. That's the opposite I. Write that. That's that's a tweet. <laughs> Kuliana is the opposite of Kofifi. Okay. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we're getting lots of likes on that Facebook right now. We will be right back. 
A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovak.net. Chicagoans, use your blue carts to recycle. Bottles, flattened boxes, jugs with the lids on, tin and aluminum cans, juice cartons, and mail. No plastic bags, including store bags, no greasy pizza boxes, styrofoam, disposable coffee cups, light bulbs, napkins, electronics, or shredded paper. Put your items loose in the blue cart and not in a plastic bag. Visit RecycleByCity.com Chicago and let's make Chicago beautiful and green. Hi, this is Blanquita Cullum, host of The Hard Question. Join me weekdays at 4 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO. Somebody's listening from Sweden. Did you guys catch that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. So I... Jessica says, yeah, a.k.a. Basement Sludge. Oh, no. Forest Park. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-huh. Well, I was saying off air, my backyard was a giant lake and river in my entire street, which used to be the head of a ravine until it got blocked off a long time ago. Um you know what? Let's, let, giant river. let's play Eco Elvis. Since I didn't get a chance <laughs> to uh, to play that music yet, we could do this one. Let's go organic. Let's do what's right. It might be time to have. Eco Elvis back on the show. He has. I don't. I. I. I went to his website recently. I don't think he's done anything since like 2014. So yeah, I'm not sure. And give that, him a chance to, to get to, back in tune. Yeah, bring it. You know, it's the big comeback. Remember, Elvis had his comeback. Now we'll have Eco Elvis have a comeback. All right. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're we're uh, we're getting a little slap happy here, um, <laughs> and talking to to folks. Uh, on Facebook during the break, including Jessica, uh, out in uh, Forest Park, which is different from River Forest, right? It's a ding. I thought that was the same place. Okay. Uh, and we're trying to find out where Carolyn's from. Um, she said, great show so far. So far. Oh, we better say something really we, good. We still don't, have a few minutes to. <laughs> don't screw it up. Yeah. And uh, uh, next weekend, oh, yeah, we're going to have Jody Osmond from Cedar Valley Sustainable Farm. Um, talk about uh, if you're an omnivore, how you get your meat raised humanely 
um, good guy, and he's it's a family run business. Uh, Carrie Leiterson, who's uh, an environmental reporter for Midwest Energy News. We're going to talk about fracking in Illinois. Um, it's, it's it's here. It's starting, folks. Okay. And Lisa, all Lisa Hilgenberg is going to be here too. Mm-hmm. The garden desk. How are we getting all of them on? I are you? Jody's sh- on Saturday. Oh, Jody Saturday. That's right. You know, the other day we're on the air. That's right. I forgot we do Saturdays, too. It's like, how do we get all these people <laughs> on the same 10 to 11 right here yeah. on 1590 WCGO. I mean, I mean, if they had showed up today, it would have been great because we have nothing to talk about. So What? 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 So, what? But get your gardening questions ready because yeah, the, the garden Hilgenberg, desk is open. Lisa Hilgenberg from the Regenstein Fruit and Vegetable Garden, Chicago Botanic Garden, will be with us next Sunday. Jody is on Saturday. Carrie Leiterson, Midwest Energy News, on Sunday. And so that's... What happens next week? Now, I wanted to call your attention to this article that I saw just yesterday, so I posted it on the Facebook page, and it's uh, it was in the Sun Times, and uh, the, the headline: Chicago parks take heat for promoting water in disposable bottles. Uh oh, I'm getting that look from from Michelle, and uh, it uh, Taylor Hartz wrote this story. Chicago Park District is taking heat from environmentalists and recycling advocates over a promotional deal with a Coca-Cola distributor that brought the city parks 5% of its summer sales in Chicago of the Coke's Dasani brand water, which, of course, comes in plastic bottles. Under the deal that began in 2016, the Park District got $35,261 last year, last year, not this year, through the Dasani Give Back promotion, according to Irene Tostado, a spokeswoman for the district, this year's total for the July through September partnership is still being determined. They're counting their nickels right now because you look at $35,000, that's not a lot of money in the scheme of things. It really isn't to give Coca-Cola this big plug. Uh, and to unleash more plastic bottles into um, our environment. As a matter of fact, Michelle Toma, president of the Chicago Recycling Coalition, said any more plastic in the environment that is not connected with a recycling program, yeah, does more harm than good. And Chris Carr from the Illinois Recycling Association, both groups I've been associated with, uh, said... uh, Discarded plastic containers pose a risk to animals and the environment. Quote, those plastic water bottles break down into small pieces and become a contamination, she said. Which leads us to you, Michelle Hoffman, because I'm wondering, you said you were going to be out in Hawaii. Do you have any plans to go to one of the gyres and and look at the garbage patches in one of our oceans? You know, one of my cinematographers has actually done it, and the problem is you don't even have to go to a gyre. I found plastic remnants in the Socorro Islands in our plankton nets. Um, I've seen plastic everywhere. I've gone Mm -hmm. in the ocean. So it's not like you even have to go to a gyre. It's everywhere. Mm. It's pervasive. And there have been some new papers published in the last couple of weeks, actually, about how microorganisms are eating this stuff. And then through their bodily processes, it actually transfers down through the water column and sinks. So Mm -hmm. it's not even the plastics on the surface. It's now the plastics that are diffused throughout the entire water column. And I would imagine eventually the coral, going back to the coral reefs, are going to be pulling in 
the the minute bits of plastic too. Oh, absolutely. They actually there was an article that documented some of that. Mm-hmm. So we know that it's well, happening. Well, we we yeah, it's happening. It's breaking down. It's it's it doesn't biodegrade. It photodegrades, uh, and which means it gets ingested by the uh, ocean creatures and eventually works its way up the food chain. Mm-hmm. All, I mean. We're going to be filled with plastic in in a very short time. Who says we're not already? Yeah, and we don't know the effects of that. That is part of the problem, is we, we, we do not know. And yet we continue to dump. We just dump and we dump and we dump. Well, and this is another one of our stories in microcosm, though, is looking at algae alternatives for plastic production. Because there is a lot of very promising stuff happening Algae is incredibly renewable. Algae can be farmed in an urban environment. It can be an industry unto itself. So, you know, we're, we're really trying to look for those positive mm-hmm. things that we can get people for as opposed to fighting against. Let's get people on board, you know, with where we want things to go for the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, that will happen. You'll, you will be able to make your case to the public next year when uh, or, or soon. You know, how, how how many hours a week do you spend on microcosm? I got to ask. Well, as much as I can when I'm not teaching. So yeah, and that's part tricky. of the problem. That dumb teaching job gets in the way. Yeah, so if it? there's anybody out there who wants to finance this thing, we'll have it done in a year easy. <laughs> well, that's not a bad idea. You know, we should get folks to, to finance this. We're, what have you been using for financing on it? We've gotten some grant money. We've had some private donations and backers. And to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest, we've been having bake sales. I mean, we yeah, just had t-shirt. a sale at the Grove. We <laughs> And you've got your T-shirt. Church sales? We do. We have your, um, two stores. Your shop for um, electronics covers and clothing? and Yeah, we have all kinds of stuff through Redbubble. We also have an account on um, Etsy, so we mm-hmm. have handmade goods on a shop called Vibrancy. So a lot of it has been crowdsourced, which is kind of nice because that's why we've got <laughs> over 5,000 people with us on Facebook because they've been part of it from the beginning. It's about creating Would a community. Would you send some of those people to the Mike Novak <laughs> show? Okay, I know. We're it's... huge in India. I don't know why. They love us in India. Wow, and I and, and there's another story that this that I saw this week, and we're going we're running out of time here. But my friend David J. Zaber mm-hmm. sent this amazing story. Did you know they they still use DDT in India? Yeah. They've been using it for sixty years, and know what they're finding? It doesn't work anymore. Yeah, it's not the, surprising. The insects adapt to it. Mosquitoes. That's funny adapt. stuff called evolution. Yeah. Go figure. Really? Who'd have thunk? That's crazy. Well, crazy that, talk. we'll start the third hour about 11. Wait, we don't have a third hour. Okay. Uh, I want to thank Michelle Hoffman for coming into the studio. Thank you so much. Thanks for having She's me. She's always here at the science desk as often, and she brings her own microscope, which is, you may hold that up. You okay. guys can send me water samples. I uh, also want to thank Nicole Virgil and Liz Chaplin and Ron Kress and Brandon. Thank you so much. Until next Saturday, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.